podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Yeah, I know I said I wasn't going to say Mondays anymore, but I don't, I don't care. It's, it's a Monday when this goes up, Monday mornings, every Monday morning at 6 a.m., every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. when we have episodes. Joining me back today, my good friend and most of the time co-host, Andy Mitz. It's great to be back. Uh, Jamie Steyer is remaining on her brief uh, sojourn uh, break from the show, but she will be back in the future. Do not worry. I promise we will not let Jamie go that easily. Uh, Okay, so obviously it's the Monday after Father's Day. To all you fathers out there, happy Father's Day. Uh, I know I enjoyed mine. Had a nice time with the girls. Uh, Andy, did did you enjoy your Father's Day experience? Yeah, I mean, it was a little hectic because I, you know, had my father to go see and had to do stuff with my kids and had to go down to my father-in-law now that I can actually do that. But it was fantastic still. Yeah, luckily, uh, we did the Father's Day stuff with my in-laws on Saturday night, so it made Sunday a little more relaxing, a little less having to deal with all the family at the same time. It was a little more just like, okay. Fair. Like, ideal Father's Day is just lock me in the room and let me sleep all day. Uh, unfortunately, I have two daughters, two and under, who that's not a reality, so... We had a good time. We had a good time. Okay, so today's episode was influenced by uh, a short bit, a split zone duo. You know, they say, uh, I just lost the word. Mimicry is the greatest form of flattery. It's not mimicry. I can't think of the word. Anyways, Imitation. I'm happy to admit, thank you. Imitation. I'm happy to admit when I'm kind of stealing ideas, but they had an idea and and I, I loved it. And I wanted to spend some time talking about it, you and I. We're talking about some of the rivalries that are now defunct or that have, have, have come to an end because of conference realignment. Um, and if those, rival, what, what is the state of those rivalries? Um, are, they, are they dead on arrival? Um, is, there, is there still a heartbeat? Is there a chance at life? Or do we feel pretty good that, that these, these rivalries can make a full recovery at some point in the future? And there's four rivalries we're going to talk about today all impacted by realignment, conference realignment, and the Big 12. Conference realignment is the topic we're going to talk about a lot today's show because we're going to talk about conference realignment and Big 12 era and playoff expansion here in a little bit. But there's four in particular I want to talk about. It's Oklahoma-Nebraska, Kansas-Missouri, border war, uh, Texas-Texas A&M, of course, and West Virginia and Pitt. Now, West Virginia lost a few rivalries, when they joined the Big 12, when the, when the Big East was, was done and no more, and West Virginia joined the Big 12, they lost a few rivals. I mean, they used to have a rivalry with Penn State, um, a few other teams in the Big East. But Pitt is their primary, like, hate Pitt. Pitt hate. I believe it's like Pitt hate week and all that stuff. Rivalry. So, and I want to start there because that's the one I'm most interested in because it's the, it's the, the only, like, non-Big 12 rivalry. Because every other rivalry was a conference rivalry between two Big 12 teams. This is the only one that was... Uh, did not involve two Big 12 teams that was affected by a team joining the Big 12 as opposed to one leaving the Big 12. And in most, like most of the cases, Andy, West Virginia does have Pitt, we're going to focus on football here, on the schedule in the future. They've got a game at Pitt in 2022. Uh, They've got another game. And then actually they've got, what is that, four games? So they play Pitt 22, 23, 24, and 25. They've got basically two sets of home and homes. 
they're going to play Pitt again. And, and I'm, I'm curious your perspective, but for me, this one feels like it's going to make it. Because West Virginia and Pitt play often enough in other sports that I still see plenty of, of Pitt hate from the West Virginia people I follow on Twitter, from the raspy voice kids. There's plenty of Pitt hate. I don't think this is a rivalry in any way that has, I mean, you could say suffer because they don't play as often, but that is in any way, shape, or form, do I have any concern about its, its continued hatred and longevity continuing? Yeah, I mean, I think that that one kind of helps in the fact that when West Virginia left, they went to a conference that they literally have no one in the conference who's geographically very close to them. And so most of the people that they're, you know, mingling with, most of the people that they're talking to are, you know, still kind of the same group of people that they all hated before. Like, the, you know, West Virginia and Pitt are still really close to each other. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I actually lived over in Virginia and would pass through West Virginia enough. There's a nice big billboard when you're traveling um, on the highway, traveling through West Virginia. When you get even, you know, it's like it's like 100 miles from Morgantown. And it has the phrase that they like to say, which I'm not going to repeat because I don't want to swear on your podcast. Um, you know, it's it's eat, bleep, pit. And it's like, I mean, come on. Like to have that still up at this point, even though they haven't played in a long time. They still hate them very, very much. I still hear West Virginia fans say that all the time for completely unrelated things. And so, I mean, it's like, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of, I guess, join the vernacular in the same way that, that horns down for tech, you know, for anybody who ever plays Texas for anything has joined the vernacular. Like, that's just what you do. And so the fact that that came from West Virginia, you know, it's a huge rivalry. I have no no illusions that that rivalry is dead at all. Um, it's going to pick right back up where it left off. You know, I, that's, that's one of those rivalries that I think is so deep and wasn't deep enough as a conference thing, but was deep enough as a, we really hate that other school thing. These two teams have played 101 times, actually hundred, I'm sorry, 104 times. I missed the ties. Forgive me. 104 times. <laughs> they haven't played since 2011. Now Pitt has dominated. It's, they have 61 uh, of the 104 wins in the 100, man, I'm, I'm all over the place. The record is Pitt 61, West Virginia 40, three ties. But West Virginia dominated the series basically over the last like two decades of its, of its existence, um, and including winning the last three in 2009, 2010, and 2011. I, I again, if you're still talking about your your rival on social media. I think there's a pretty good chance that a rivalry remains. Now, I think for this rivalry to really get back to its heyday, I, I want these four games to be good. I want these four games to be close. I want these four games to be interesting, right? Like Pitt's a solid program. Pitt is a solid football team. They're not great by any standard, but they're a good football team. And I think West Virginia, similarly right now, is a good football team. That's not great. They're not bad. Then I feel like, barring some major change, for either side heading into 2022 in that, that four-year stretch, there's a really good opportunity for these to be four good games between four fairly even teams, which I think will help this rivalry, the, the flame be really rekindled here by having two four really close, really hard-fought games as opposed to having four like blowouts, which I do think that's that's what would be concerning for this rivalry. If these are four games that cause one side to like still hate the other, but lose interest in continuing the series. 
that would be my only real concern. And that's the same concern I have for all of them. But for, for this one, especially since who knows what teams or conferences are going to look like moving forward after expansion and who the hell knows with all this stuff. But yeah. I think I think for this rivalry to stay a rivalry, not only do they need to continue to play it, I think this four-game stretch needs to be so good that they immediately turn around in 2028 and start scheduling when they have openings, really, they start scheduling it again. And they're going, let's, let's do this again. Let's keep this a regular thing. Let's, let's face off five or six tens at times every decade and, and keep this rubber going. Cause, because West Virginia is a team that was, is happy to schedule two power five opponents in non-conference. They don't have any, they do. That's, that's what they do. And that gives them the opportunity to continue to play a game against teams like Pitt, as well as having Penn State, who is a, a former rival back on the schedule, having Alabama, having games of that nature in the, in the future non-conference games, uh, and still be able to have Pitt in there as well. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I do think kind of what you were saying at the beginning was, I don't know that this rivalry ever died. So, like, I don't know that good football games and kind of stoking the flames there is going to be important for the rivalry renewing. I think the fact that they're playing is going to be enough. You know, it's not it's not like some of the other ones that we're going to talk about where, um, well, a couple of them specifically where, yeah, if you if you really asked, like they would say that they hate the other side, but really only one side is clamoring for that particular game to come back or, you know, only one side really seems to be super invested in it. Um, so there's not, I think, nearly as much of a possibility of this one just kind of being dead on arrival if some of the games are bad. Whereas I think some of the other ones we're getting ready to talk about could potentially like you have, you know, a three game series that the first three are like, you know, a, a multiple game series where the first two or three games are like bad and people don't necessarily look forward to it anymore the way that they used to in terms of rivalries. So, well, that could be either the next two or no. So let's let's talk to about one where we're actually going to get to watch the two teams face off this year. That's Oklahoma and Nebraska. I mean, this is a storied rivalry from back in the day. You know, Oklahoma and Nebraska are blue bloods because of this. Um, I hate math. Oklahoma owns the series 45 to 38 with three ties. Um, OU won the last meeting in 2010. And then played tennis because the Big 12 broke up. Um, and now we get our first of four matchups on the on the schedule through the future. They, they'll face off uh, this year in Norman they'll face off again in Lincoln in 2022 and then they have each other on the schedule again in 2029 and 2030 because we schedule non-conference games are ridiculously far away but I'm I I know this is a historic rivalry I know these games are being played on the 50th anniversary of the greatest game or the game of the century blah 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 outside of it just being historically relevant and it being that anniversary Nebraska has fallen off so far, and Oklahoma has become so dominant that the only way I feel like this this feels like it's it's the swan song of of this rivalry. It does, barring in Nebraska just tucking their tail between their legs, being okay, making a little bit less money coming to the Big Twelve and returning home. I think this rivalry might kind of be just one of those things that back when Oklahoma and Nebraska used to be great in the eighties, it's going to go the same way of basically the wishbone and it's going to become part of, of football history and football lore because I think the only thing at this point that could save this as a rivalry is for Nebraska to somehow pull off an upset either this year or next. Right. Because Nebraska literally tried to get out of this, this series. Nebraska tried to get out of it. 
Here's like, we don't want, nope, you're going to play this game. You're going to play this game as is scheduled for this year. I, it doesn't feel like a rivalry anymore. Like, OU fans don't, like, I don't, I don't feel yeah. like they care. Well, kind of like what you said, the fact that Nebraska tried to get out of it. Like, yeah, everyone's heralding it as like, you know, the resumption of a, of a all-time historical, you know, rivalry or series that they had. But it, it's historical. Like, there, there doesn't seem to be very much bad blood other than, you know, people on the OU side that are pissed off at Nebraska for the way that they left. I think it's also hurt by the fact that, you know, Nebraska was not Oklahoma's main rival when Nebraska left. You know, uh, Texas has been their main rival for forever. And so for, for Oklahoma, it was the loss of a secondary rival um, who was mildly annoying that, you know, that kind of went away and I went off and did their own thing and it hasn't been very successful for them. And so like most Oklahoma fans that I talk to, they look at this Nebraska game and it's just like, ha, that's cute. Like that's, that's the reaction I get from most of them. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this rivalry is already dead and it's going to take a huge monumental upset by Nebraska to completely ruin the opportunity for Oklahoma to make it to the college playoff for Oklahoma fans. I think to consider this even close to being a rivalry again, it's going to take Nebraska doing something absolutely ridiculous. I agree. And it doesn't even have to be this year. If they, if they pull it off next year, think about it this way. If Nebraska were to beat them in Lincoln in 2022, and then OU has to wait seven years before they get a chance to, to face Oh, gosh, yeah. Now, that would be – that would renew this. That would be like, oh, the blood would boil. They would be so ready. They wouldn't, they wouldn't want to admit it, but they would – Nebraska Well, would right, because Nebraska would poke Oklahoma on Twitter oh, about it all the time. Ad nauseum. Now, don't you, you guys wish we gotten out of that series now, huh? Don't you? That's what you'd be hearing right, for exactly. seven years. And I think that really is what it's going to take because otherwise OU is going to come in – curb stomp Nebraska by 30 or 40 points two years in a row. And we're just going to be like, okay. And the next time they face off, it'll be like, for you youngins uh, who don't know, because the players, like you're telling them back in the day when your forefathers were playing football and, and lining up in the wishbone. Like, I just, I don't think this is a, is the rival. I don't think it's a rivalry anymore. I don't, I think it is nostalgic and fun. But that's it. I think it's it's purely a rivalry for nostalgic purposes, not an actual rivalry between two fan bases that just want to beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, is it's it just, is it kind a, of funny though that I almost want to see Nebraska upset OU just for the Schadenfreude? <laughs> I like, I mean, can, can you imagine how entertaining it would be? Not being an Oklahoma fan myself, how entertaining it would be for Nebraska fans to be able to poke at Oklahoma like that on Twitter for seven years, <laughs> for that to actually I mean, happen, like. Like no I'm not Kansas saying that I Texas, want it to happen because I I definitely root for the Big Twelve typically, like yeah. unless it's like you know goes against what I want for my my own individual Kansas team, um, <laughs> but you know it's I mean it's one of those things like that would almost be worth it just to see how you know how much of a thorn in the side of most OU fans that would be. So I don't know. I like chaos. No, it it would be the 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 the, the creep in me would would enjoy that. It's it's uh, it's okay, kind of so like how let's... how often I like to say Texas is back. <laughs> uh, that's that's fun. All right, let's let's move on down our list here uh, to another one that is currently on the schedule for the future, a little bit further out than either of our other two. Kansas and Missouri, the border war itself. Now these two teams have each other on the schedule four times. 
They're set for a face-off in, uh, in Colombia in 2025 and in Lawrence in 2026. And then again in Colombia in 2031, if we're all still around at that point. And then yeah. uh, back in Lawrence in 2032, assuming the good Lord hasn't returned to take us all back to, to heaven. This is a close, surprisingly close series, I'm going to say it. Uh, these two teams have faced off, what is that, 120 times? 120, yep. 120 times. Missouri leads at 57 to 54 with nine ties. Uh, Missouri won the last three before they bolted uh, from the Big 12 to the SEC East. I'm, I want your perspective on this because yeah, this was I mean, a rivalry, but uh, dude, please go ahead. Cause I, I really, I really don't have a yeah, good. This is weird because you're on the pulse here. Like, all of Missouri fans consider this to still be a huge rivalry. And, and this has been a little weird because to be completely honest, like Kansas and Missouri were uh, that. I honestly think that was one of the greatest, one of the best, one of the most intense rivalries. I mean, it was, it was bred out of the civil war. Like, I mean, it was that intense. They hate each other that much. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like, you know, Kansas, Missouri were the main rivals of each other. They literally, I mean, and honestly, a lot of the fan bases still really do literally hate each other for honestly, no really good reason, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's one of those things like you would think that that would be the perfect recipe for, you know, just reigniting the rivalry. Everyone's going to hate each other. These games are going to be absolutely fantastic, but you know, Kansas fans, I think are really split on this. Like, yeah, I think the games could be fun. Like, I, I honestly think that Kansas and Missouri could, could have a fun competitive series. But now that the time, you know, now that that hate has cooled, and I think a lot of fans have seen just completely how irrational it was for no real good reason, um, you know, just in terms, I mean, because, you know, I, I hate to say it because most rivalries, there's really not a good reason other than, you know, the fact that they're a sports team that goes against your sports team a lot. And so you kind of hate them. Um, but, you know, it's, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's cooled enough. And unlike the West Virginia Pitt situation, Kansas and Missouri really haven't played each other very much in anything. Like, for the for the longest, I think there was like a, a seven or eight year period where the only time that they played was softball, playing each other in the NCAA tournament, and that was it. So it's like like this really kind of cooled extensively. Um, it, you know, it also I think doesn't help that the series got renewed by probably the most, which is saying something considering some of the athletic directors Kansas had, the most unpopular athletic director that Kansas had in a, in a very very long time, in Jeff Long. Um, you know, people ripped i think rightly in a lot of cases a lot of the things that he decided to do and this was one of those things where it was like i don't know what this does for kansas because you know the kansas football team has been so bad historically that playing a missouri team that isn't you know like competing for the sec east or anything like you know competing for a comp for a, a conference division or anything like that um like you know they're still miles ahead of where kansas is at this point and so, like, it doesn't necessarily help them. Uh, you, you would have to think by the time the first game that maybe if, you know, if the, the rebuild with Leipold works and gets them back to respectability, that these could be good games, that these could be games that you could potentially enjoy. But it's also one of those things like, you know, Kansas, I don't know how much Kansas gains from this. And I think a lot of the animosity was related to and and a lot of like the just back and forth. Yeah, they're all in the Casey Metro. Um there was a lot of enjoyment, I think, in watching Missouri fail for from the Kansas side, watching Missouri fail because that also then helped you in the conference. And so, like, I think that they, they tangibly lost something with that rivalry with it being out of conference or like no longer being in conference because this rivalry has always been an in-conference rivalry. 
Like they've always been paired up with each other. They've always been conference mates um, when they were playing consistently. And so it's one of those things like, I don't know that, I don't know that Kansas and Missouri really know what it's like to have a rivalry outside of conference affiliation. And so I'm interested to see, like I could see this potentially getting rekindled. We could have some really weird, crazy things happening in a lot of these games in both football and basketball. And it rekindles rivalry and everyone really is kind of enjoying it. We get back to being, you know, basically the same thing, just not in the same conference anymore. And maybe it takes a slight step back because there's not conference bragging rights on the, on the line um, or, you know, like a conference division title on the line or something like that. But I also think that these could fall extremely flat, especially like like this is one where I think the games have to be competitive. The games have to be good games that people remember fondly or it's just going to be like. Eh, what do we do this for? Especially from a lot of Kansas fans. I think Missouri fans are craving this so much that they are going to consider this to be a super success no matter how the games turn out, even if Missouri gets curb stomped in both of them, which, you know, the, the first two, which I don't see happening. But even if that were to happen, I think Missouri would just be glad to have all the games back, especially on the basketball side. Um, I do think that from a Kansas perspective, it's really going to depend on how these games turn out. Are they going to be enjoyable experiences? Are they going to be ones where you you know, start to hate the opposing fan base and really enjoy the feeling of hating the opposing uh, opposing fan base? Or is it going to be one that was just like, this game really sucked. I don't really like, you know, dealing with all the vitriol that's coming. And like, I just, I, my life is better without it. And if that's the experience we get out of those, then I think like for me personally, that's kind of where the rivalry died for me personally was because I realized probably about three years after that, after Missouri left that, I didn't really miss the fact that I hated Missouri so much. <laughs> and so we'll see how it goes. Like, I, I think this is one that could revive. It could be just as strong. It is a, it was a very intense rivalry. And of course the roots of the rivalry are still there. So it's not like that history is going to go away. The question is just going to be, can it find its footing in this new environment that they're in? And I, I'm just not sure at this point. Yeah. It does feel it was a little bit of hurt feelings with Missouri leaving. You've got Leipold has five years to get the Kansas program turned around enough to be competitive with Missouri. And we don't know what Missouri will be. It's just year two for um, their new head coach from Appalachian State. Um, Drinkwitz. Yeah. So uh, we got a long time between now and when this first game is played. It, it very much feels like, you know, we, we talk about, it's kind of like the West Virginia Pitt one. It's more about the two teams than it is like Oklahoma, Nebraska, which was just a big national rivalry. This one just feels like it is a personal one that I, I would be interested to see played again. I would, um, you know, I, I don't understand why the two schools don't play more often than other things, but I think there were some real hurt feelings when Missouri left. Um, and that's been, that's been part of the problem. Okay. To the last one, the one that's not on the schedule in football, the one that who knows if it will ever be on the schedule in football, the one that for God's sakes, just should be on the schedule in football, Texas and Texas A&M. Now here's my problem here. I think this one is would be alive and thriving the second these two played again. They hate each other to no end. They talk about each other ad nauseum on social media. Yeah. They dog each other at every part, every opportunity. Forgetting completely ignoring how bad they are. All they, they they take so much joy in making fun of the other one. And they play in like every other sport. They play in baseball. They play in softball. They play often in basketball. They like they are happy to schedule each other in every other sport they play except football. They will not schedule each other in football. And I don't see it happening anytime soon because they've got a, they're not a team. Texas is not a team to schedule two P five 
non-conference opponents, and they have a power five opponent on their non-conference schedule all the way to 2033. And they're not pushovers. You've got Bama and Michigan and Ohio State and Georgia and Florida and Arizona State, which is cool. yeah. But like, there's not an open spot for AM in here anywhere. I almost think they, they went ahead with the schedule everybody as far as you can just to be like, oh, I can't put, there's no way to play anyone here. There's no way to do that. And don't tell me that you two have an, intentionally avoid each other in bowl games because you don't want to. I, I don't I don't know what side it is. It's so, the fact so that it's funny this story about that. So I've actually heard the reason that they haven't played is because for so long it was that, you know, week of Thanksgiving. Like that was like the rivalry date for them. And it's funny because Texas now has, you know, every year they try to find a new Thanksgiving rival for Texas and they try to schedule a big game for Texas on that one. And it's it's so ridiculous. But it is essentially boils down to neither side really wants to play the game as a non-conference early in the year. They If they're going to play it, they want it to be in, you know, the normal traditional close to Thanksgiving spot. But neither one wants to be seen as the team that goes through their conference to ask for an exception to the schedule to be able to play a rivalry game at the end of the year there. It's a lot easier for the SEC to do that because they do that all the time for like non-conference, you know, like power puffs or powder puffs. Say, no, um, but Florida, Florida State's the end of the schedule every year. Yeah, you know, no, like, but, but that was a long, exists. yeah, but that was a long-standing one, right? And so that was normal. So like Texas A&M didn't want to be seen as doing that, although it would have completely, you know, like they didn't want to give that to Texas to say, oh, well, you know, we made this concession with our conference to allow you to have that game because for whatever reason, Texas fans would lord that over Texas A&M fans' heads. And Texas, again, doesn't want to be seen as the one asking for a special concession to show that they want the game more. Both of these teams really want the game. Both of these fan bases really want the game, but nobody wants to be seen as the team that actually wants it more. It's it's completely weird and unique in all of the, you know, all the rivalries that I've seen in that the only reason this rivalry isn't happening is because nobody wants to come across as needing the rivalry more than the other. They both think that they're too good to need to be attached to the other one, which is absolutely hilarious because I honestly think it would be one of the most entertaining rivalries we have in all the nation. If they were to start playing again, I think they should, like, I think they should find a way to make it work. The problem is that they're too damn proud to suck it up and say, let's find a way to get this on the schedule so that everybody can enjoy it. It is the pettiest rivalry in sports. It is. It is. It's like, it's so easy. Everybody knows this should be on the schedule. Everybody wants to see this on the schedule and nobody is willing to be the first one to say, okay, no one wants to pick up the phone first. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to be the person who does that. And like, okay, cool. Uh, Grow the up, please, please grow up and just do it. But they're not going to, and they don't care. And they're just going to continue to bicker back and forth forever honestly, I, I don't know if they ever will play again. Maybe on the like 50th anniversary, the last time they play, they'll be like, all right, finally. But like, honestly, this is the one rivalry where everyone's just like, surely they will at some point. I think without, I think without political intervention of some, somebody in Texas state legislature coming in, sitting them down and saying, you two mother, put each other on the schedule. We don't give a crap how you yeah. do it. Just do it. If it's got to be at Thanksgiving, we'll we'll talk to the Big 12 and the SEC. And guess what will happen? Because you know what the SEC and the Big 12 would say? Yeah, that would be great for our ratings. Let's do that there. Neither conference is going to be upset about that. Done. ESPN would, be would beg them would be to a, put it together. It would be a bidding war based off of whoever has 
each conference is Texas. Like right now, I believe it's the it's the Red River that goes like first amongst Big 12 picks between ESPN and Fox. That game was on the schedule. It would be the first Big 12 game picked. Whoever gets first dibs, they're taking it. Because In years, the Texas is home team because that's usually where the TV rights go. But yes, I, I understand your point. I, the point is, it would be one of the most sought after on the on the TV schedule games because oh, gosh, everyone easily. would want to watch it. And if it was a good game, oh, the ratings would be insane. And I think at this point, as silly as it sounds, the bowl games can be manipulated into to avoiding matchups that schools don't want, right? Right. The playoff won't be able to. You, your best bet now, and to say this almost makes my stomach hurt, is if Texas and Texas A&M both make the playoff and are matched up together. That might be the only way we get it to happen is when we get to a 12-team playoff. Yeah, but that would just and make me feel dirty teams. to have that in the playoff. Oh no, it would be it would be it would be wonderful because the, no, you know, it'd be the hilarious though. The no. the would be cranked up to a thousand for whoever wins that game. Okay, I'm going back to my love of chaos. I so want this to actually be in one of these. Once we expand to a 12 team playoff, okay, I want this to be an eight nine matchup. Because can you imagine how ridiculous it's going to be all of the whining and complaining about whichever team gets the eight seed over the nine seed about how <laughs> how dare you do that to us and make us travel on the road for that? Like, that would be fantastic. I would. It would be amazing. It would be amazing TV. It would be just just like I think I'd have to rank that up even higher over the whole, you know, Nebraska beating OU because I just think that all of the ridiculousness around it would be so hilarious. You know, it'd be like the the. Let me drink your salty tears meme, you know, that rolls around the internet every mm-hmm. once in a while. So mm, Your tears taste delicious. Yeah. No, but um, like to what you were saying about this being one of the most petty, not well, the most petty rivalries. Like a lot of people used to say that the Kansas-Missouri thing was being petty. But, you know, the one difference there being that like Kansas and Kansas was very explicit that they had basically said that, if you know, if Missouri left the Big 12, they would not schedule them again in football and basketball until some undetermined date. Like. That was a that was a specific threat from Kansas when Missouri was talking about leaving. Texas never did that with Texas A&M. Nobody did that with Texas A&M. Nobody really cared at that point. Honestly, I think there was a lot of people that were kind of upset or tired of the Texas Texas A&M dynamic inside the Big 12 that they figured that they would get it worked out and like find a way to have that dysfunctional relationship out, you know, as a non-conference thing and that everyone could benefit from it. And they wouldn't have to deal with it in conference anymore. So, like, I don't think anybody really cared when when Texas A&M said that they were going to leave. They're just like, okay, fine, good riddance. We'd rather have Texas. Uh, and so it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where the 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 circumstances and the situation is not necessarily the same. So, yeah, it does come across as just completely petty. You notice when we have conversations about teams that should come back to the Big Twelve, Nebraska, because they're basically miserable. Well, what about Colorado? You might hear miserable. No one ever mentions AM. And part of it's because they would never come back. But the other part of it's like, yeah, we're good. No one wants them back, to be honest. Like, we're good. We're, 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 we're okay. Speaking of Texas winning, congratulations, Texas, because as you know by now, your wonderful, wonderful gear is available at Homefield Apparel. And if you didn't know that already, if you missed that announcement, if you haven't bought anything yet, you're like, I just can't decide. Promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, gets you 20% off your first order. Like, I'm just, congratulations. The Texas gear is fantastic. It's amazing. It is a perfect fifth Big 12 school addition to Home Field Apparel, joining Baylor, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. And now we have Texas. And there's one more Big 12 school to come. There's one more Big 12 school to come. So if you haven't bought any gear yet, 
promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, 20% off. On the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel there is. I love the Texas line. It's 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 friggin' awesome. And look, every, every time a new Big 12 line comes out, I always want to buy five or six things, and I just know I can't afford it. And so I sit and cry silently in a corner because I can't afford to get all the shiny new home field apparel stuff, and I don't have any for Kansas yet. So, dude, every time the new line comes out for any school, I look at, it, I'm like, fair. I, I don't want to like LSU or Notre Dame, but damn it, there's some really good stuff for both of those schools. Now, I will not buy LSU stuff. I am in an Arkansas family. I am not buying LSU. You don't want to be disowned. <laughs> there's some Notre Dame stuff. That Notre Dame stuff I have a bought that I'm having a really hard time not buying because it's kind of awesome. And I'm not a Notre Dame fan, but by golly, Miss Molly. So. Uh, if you haven't bought yours yet, if you've still been waiting, if you're finally just like, I, I have to pull the trigger, promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, get 20% off your first order on the most comfortable vintage college sports belt. Connor and the whole team over there do the most amazing job. I, I'm so excited for when everyone finds out what the next Big 12 school is, it's going to be announced. There's one more that will give us six. And there's four that are stragglers that need to quit mucking about and get your stuff on there. Get your stuff on there. Depending upon when people listen to this episode, you will find out. I know who the next one is. I know who the next one is. I don't know if, if you listen to this before it comes out, I know who the next one is. And who, golly, I hope Texas's sales on Saturday were enough. I hope they were enough. I hope they were enough. That's all I'm going to say. Me too. All right. 10, 12, 20% off your first order. Don't forget, all orders of $70 or more get free shipping. Philip Slavin of the 1012 podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. All right, so Andy, I want to wrap up on this. Uh, I did a lot of talk about the playoff expansion on Monday's episode. Just some thoughts, why I think it's good for the Big 12. But uh, there's one thing that I didn't t- touch on. I want to do it here with you today. What is the most popular off-season Big 12 topic? What is the first question that will get asked? Or Well, I'm into the first, but it is a question that will get asked at Big 12 Media Days because somebody has to do it. Is the Big 12 going to expand? There it is. There it is. There it is. I'm sorry, so we've been talking when about a lot is the of Big 12 going to expand? When? There it is. Who are we going to add? So I've been thinking about that because, of course, um, in relation to the playoff expanding the 12 teams. 
And people have talked a lot about the way that it's set up now, top six conference champions get an auto bid. That's top six conference champions, not power five, top six conference champions. So in theory, a power five, like this past year, the Pac-12 champ would not have automatically gotten in. They probably wouldn't have gotten in. The Pac-12 still would have gotten in, but you would have had the champs from two G5 conferences. Now that's not going to happen very often, but it could happen. And the way it's set up made me wonder, you're the Big 12. Forget whether or not it's worth expanding. I still think there's an opportunity there when you go for renegotiating TV contracts, this adding more teams gives you more games. And there's teams that are doing well enough from a rating standpoint and from a success on the field standpoint that it would be worth adding them. Cincinnati, Memphis, maybe trying to poach teams from the Pac-12, so on and so forth. But here's my question to you, Andy. If you're Memphis, if you're Cincinnati, if you're Boise State, if you're UCF, where do you think you have a better shot at getting into the playoff once it expands? Staying where you are? Or going Easily. to the 12? Right. Oh, no, no. And yeah. If, right. if that's what you're worried about is playoff access, it's going to be a whole lot easier to do that in the lower conference. And that's my thing. Like, I get it. The Big 12 makes, you're going to make more money going to the Big 12. And if, and that matters. Look, Nebraska is not going to come back to the Big 12 because they make too much money in the Big 10, right? Right. Even though it would be smart of them to come back to the Big 12. Does, you're going to make more money in the Big 12. Why don't you come over? Okay. Here comes Memphis and Cincinnati. Or if you're Cincinnati, do you sit there and go, we can make more money just by making the playoff. And we know our opportunity to make the playoff is greatly increased on a regular basis if we stay where we are. Because we know we can win the American. And every time we do, we're going to, we're, we're, we are the quote unquote power six conference outside of maybe Boise state going undefeated. The American conference champ has a pretty darn good shot every year of getting in. Right. If you're Cincinnati, do you take the money and likely lose your shot at, at regularly making the playoff? Or do you say, we're going to stick with what we have because the playoff experience getting to go to the playoff alone is more valuable to us. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it necessarily changes the, the opportunity for, for expansion for, for the Big 12. I do think it changes the details of how that expansion would work because in order to pull them, you know, if, if what they're worried about is access to, you know, the or potential access to the playoff, they're not going to get more of that from the Big 12 than assuming, you know, of course, we're all assuming that this 12-team format that they're talking about with six conference champs, you know, the six highest rated conference chances is kind of what's happening. If that doesn't happen, like if the details are different, then obviously the impacts would be separate. But you're like, like what your point is there is that like, if that's the model, then there's always going to be one G5 conference champion who's going to make the playoff because that's the way it's going to be set up. Like automatically one of them, um, you know, because Notre Dame doesn't qualify for that to take that BYU doesn't qualify to take like any of these independents that typically, you know, would steal playoff spots if none of the other, you know, conference champs from the big, from the power five are there, they're not going to weigh in into this at all. So it's a guaranteed spot for a conference champ from a non power conference. And so, yeah, if that's what you're worried about is playoff access, then you definitely want to stay where you're at. So that means in order to get them off of that, they need to be comfortable enough with the amount of money that they're making, that they're giving up essentially any reasonable option in the, in the, anywhere in the near time future of, you know, magically winning the conference and be able to make it, you know, or even being good enough in the conference to get an at large, 
because, you know, like I can't imagine a team like Memphis joining the Big 12 and being good enough to be the second team in the conference for at least, you know, eight or nine years. Like, and that's even being super generous, like for them to have a magical season, you know, a decade from now or from whenever they join to be able to be second best enough to potentially earn an at-large over, you know, the 15 SEC teams everybody wants to put in for whatever reason. And so, like, they they basically give up any access to the playoffs by coming, so you have to make it worth their while money-wise. You know, all the conversations about getting partial shares for X number of years or, you know, setting something up so that, like, Texas and Oklahoma and the big-name schools are still going to be able to get more than everyone else. Like, all of those, you know, special funny economics is, is, is what I like to call them go out the window because no school is going to give up the opportunity for an equal cut or an equal pay or that bigger payday and lose their access to the playoff that they now have where they're at. Like they, they have to get one or the other. They either have to have that playoff access that they think they're going to be able to get, or they have to have a whole bunch of money to give that up. And so it'll change the conversation about what a school would take. I think it actually shifts some of the power in the, the dynamics of the conference realignment to the actual smaller schools to be moving up because they have to get a big enough boost for that. So I think it makes it less likely that we actually get realignment because that was the biggest driver for realignment was trying to position your conference, the overall roster of your conference, um, you know, for the actual individual conferences, boosting them enough so that you get locked into one of the top two spots for your conference champion. And for the schools, it was access to the playoff because everybody realized that there literally was no way that you were going to make it unless you were in a power conference. And so now that that power dynamic is potentially going to be shifted, it's going to make the conference realignment, I think, a lot less likely than it was in the past. Yeah, I, look, at the end of the day, money talks loud. And, and I don't think a, a, a Memphis or Cincinnati probably would just say no to Big 12. We want to stay here because that's a lot of money. And, so it's, and it's more money than you are probably still going to make, even if you're Cincinnati and you win the American five straight years and go to the playoff five straight years and win a couple of games, right? Like, I still think you're going to make more money in the Big 12. You just are. But it does make things, as you said, it does give them a certain amount of leverage, and it does make things interesting from the standpoint of if you're the Big 12, do you do that? I also think it makes it interesting because of the way it's set up. It doesn't guarantee the Pac-12 a spot. Does it yeah. make it easier for you to poach the Pac-12 if that is something that you're considering? Does it make it easier to go after your Arizona or Arizona State or get Colorado back or something. And I don't really want Colorado back. I like the Arizona schools more. But the idea of like, if the Pac-12, this expands, because we we think it's going to expand before the contract runs out. Like, it's very likely that this is what's going to be. I think a lot of this is written in pen. There's a few things written in pencil. 2023 season is probably when it might start, maybe 2024 if they can't get it all figured out. Right. They're going to get it all figured out because they want to make the money as quickly as possible. Um does it make it easier for you to poach the Pac-12 teams because they continue to fall back in money? The new commissioner's not getting it done. They're not making the playoff. They're, they're worried about the, not making the playoff after it expands. Like, I'm just – I'm really curious if that benefits the Big 12 at all um, yeah. in, in that angle. I think if you're – like I said, I think if you're Cincinnati and Big 12 comes calling or Memphis, you're still going to go. Right, yeah, no, but I, you're right. I also do think it's going to make – the big 12 less like, cause the reason that they would have gone down to like a Memphis or a Cincinnati is because you could potentially negotiate really good financial terms for the rest of the teams in the conference already to just get them in the door, to get them into the power five conference conversation. I do think that your point, it makes it more likely. I think for one of the, one of the power five conferences to potentially fall apart 
I don't think it's going to be the Big 12 because, you know, Big 12 is making the third most money for any of their schools. They're, they're on a really strong footing. You know, they're actually a really good football conference. They're just being overshadowed by the fact that, you know, you have the SEC and the, and the Big 10 that are gigantic and people want to talk about them more. Um, but like, I, like, I think the big 12, you're right. It's going to have an opportunity to potentially pa- poach pack 12 schools. If, you know, if they end up finding themselves lower ranked than two G fives, like, yeah, that's going to be a problem for them. You're going to, you're going to have a lot of issues. I think with pack 12 schools, and I don't think it would just be the Arizona schools to be looking to jump at that point, looking to find some other way that they could, you know, go somewhere and do something. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a big issue, I think with the pack 12 right now with, perception and if it doesn't get any better and this makes it possible for that to like because right now they're already missing out on playoff spots but i think missing out on playoff spots for your champion when you know you have g because like right now they don't have the embarrassment of a g5 school making it over them when you have the embarrassment of there's 12 teams in the field your champion doesn't make it and now two g5 schools are in over you that's going to be a big deal i think for a lot of pac-12 schools i agree I agree. I agree. All right, Andy, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, everybody do us a favor. Give us a follow on Twitter at 1012podcast, T in the number 12 word podcast. Uh, subscribe and follow us on Instagram at 1012pod. Uh, of course, subscribe, rate, and review the show. We would appreciate it if you're an iTunes person. Leave us a rating and review. I know the new iTunes podcast app is hot garbage, hot smoking, nasty, smelly garbage. But if you do use it like I do, Leave us a rating and review, five stars, please. And if you leave us a re- review, we will read it here on the pod because yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, we will. And if you use other apps, podcast listening services that also offer you the opportunity to leave a rating review to us and, and shoot, screenshot it to us, DM us, we'll let it know. Uh, Andy, where can everybody check out the work you do, man? Yeah, you can, uh, my my own personal account uh, on Twitter at AndyMets12. And of course my podcast account for the Rock Chalk podcast where I cover all things KU at Rock Chalk Pod. All right. Uh, we will be back later this week with something that I'm not going to tell you because every time I do, it falls apart and I'm going to learn my lesson one of these times. Uh, so everybody enjoy your week and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Podcast Network.